Welcome to Family Financial Feuds from University of Illinois Extension. Hi, this is Kathy Swedler um, from University of Illinois Extension, and I and Seisha are going to have a conversation today about power of attorneys and other kinds of advanced directives. This is a challenging topic for me. I think that we're going to have a great conversation because there's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. Yeah. Thanks, Aisha. Um, So I think we should start off by, let's start out with the simple stuff. Let's start out with like, what is an advanced directive and how is it different than a will? You want to jump in here, Aisha? Yeah. So to me, um, an advanced directive is uh, a document that you use while you're alive and uh, the will and some of the other uh, other documents that you can create, like trusts and things like that, are for those when you are deceased. So like your plans after you pass for things like your, you know, your home and your car, but also for your young kids if you have, you know, children under the age of 18. So that's kind of where I divide the line between advanced directives and wills and trusts. That makes sense to me. And to me, what we're talking about when we say advanced directives are things that include like our power of attorney for health care, our power of attorney for finances, um, living wills, and all of those essentially end when you die. And mm-hmm. then you switch to these other documents that are out there. Yes. Um, And so today, I think we're going to be focusing mostly on power of attorney for finances with maybe a little bit about a power of attorney for health care. But it really helps to kind of understand how they interplay with these other documents that people might choose to get completed. Although what I know is we need more people who think about doing this because right now the numbers aren't so great in the U.S. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I think um, I think this will be a really great discussion. I'm just looking forward to hearing all the the facts and kind of talking about the risks and um, kind of looking at some of the resources and the research that's out there about power of attorney as well. Sounds good. So if you're listening and you don't have a will or a power of attorney, um, you could know that you're out there with a majority of U.S. citizens. But Mm -hmm. that's not an excuse. We don't want to hear, well, nobody else is doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So what we really want to talk about today is why these can be really helpful financial and legal tools. And we also want to say that we're really not giving any legal advice today. What we're trying to do is give you enough of a framework and the language around it so that then you'll have a better idea of what kind of questions to ask a lawyer when you go to um, have these documents created. Well, let's start with uh, power of attorney for healthcare, Kathy. I think we can just get that out of the way and then we can, you know, really focus on more of the financial piece. Does that sound good? I think so, because I think it's the least threatening of the power of attorneys as well. I agree. So power of attorney for healthcare is used for um, those healthcare instances when you may be incapacitated. So when you're unable to make, you know, verbal choices for yourself. Um, So like if you were in a coma or you might have dementia, Alzheimer's history or people in your family who have it. Um, Those are some great reasons why to get power of attorney for healthcare, but it does you know, help that person decide what kind of things to do with you if you were to become, like I said, incapacitated. So if you can't like make decisions for yourself. 
Yeah. And just to add to that, I think a lot of times we do think of power of attorneys for healthcare kicking in kind of in those end of life situations mm -hmm. or when things are really serious. But um, for example, in my own personal life, there was a situation where somebody in my family was in so much pain. Um, it wasn't a life threatening thing, but it was very painful. Um, and they were had so much pain medicine in them that they couldn't make their decision. Mm -hmm. And so it fell on the person who had the power of attorney to make that decision, the power of attorney for health care. So it's also something that when you're younger, you should still think about having because um, something could happen that would be a temporary situation where you couldn't make decisions about yourself um, and you would need somebody else to step in. So I actually had a power of attorney for healthcare done right before I had my son and I made sure that I got it, you know, um, legalized. So I had uh, two people, two witnesses sign it um, and that way, you know, if something were to happen to me while I was giving birth, um, you know, my sisters could make that decision for me. So whatever it may have been, but they kind of knew, you know, that, and that's the other piece, right, too, Kathy, is like when we talk about power of attorney, like we talk about wishes and, and we can talk more about that in a little bit. But, you know, we want them to know what my healthcare decisions are. Yes, there's a lot about communication when we start talking about power of attorneys from all kinds of different angles. Yes, so many, so many. So let's talk a little bit about power of attorney for finances and kind of like what that entails and what that looks like. And we can maybe kind of move into like, you know, looking at how do we get a power of attorney? What are some of the benefits and the risks? So let's start with what is a power of attorney for finances, Kathy? Well, a power of attorney for finances um, can be very broad or it can be very specific and you get to choose. And actually, that is the good thing about power of attorneys yes. um, is that it puts the decision making back in your own power so that you get to make decisions kind of looking forward to situations where maybe you just can't make them at that moment. Yes. Um, so a power of attorney could be very specific. So let me give you an example of that. Let's say that you are moving across the country and you're trying to sell your home where you were living and you've already moved before it sells, um, you could give somebody um, local to that area that you just left power of attorney to sign the closing documents for that house. And the, the power of attorney could be so specific that that's the only way they, that's the only place they can use it in your financial life. Um, so that could be helpful. That was especially helpful in those days before we had so much electronic stuff, but it could still be helpful. Yes. Uh, so, so that, that was actually my example. So I was like, oh, okay. Kathy stole my example of limited <laughs> power of attorney powers because um, we did that when we sold our house, um, even though uh, we were just at work. Like you don't even it's not even you don't have to work like move across country. Like I was just True, at work and somebody else yeah. took care of it for me. I was really thankful for it. But, um, you know, I think that's a good a good piece of it is that you can make it very, very limited in scope. So it's like this one transaction. This is the only time that this person can sign for me. Right. Or it could be limited like to certain kinds of financial transactions, mm -hmm. like managing your investments, but not your real estate or something like that. Um, but what I think when we're those and those are useful, but there are also a broader way to use power of attorney for finances. And that is when you give somebody else the ability to manage essentially all your financial things. Mm -hmm. um, and we see that probably more as people age or have health issues 
abuse that mean that they can't pay attention to their finances, they can't handle them themselves. So it could include things like paying their monthly bills, um, managing their investments, managing property, um, really Man, you know, having the ability to buy, sell property and investments as well as taking care of bills, which is pretty broad. And I think that's, that's a lot of power. Where, yeah, that's where people start to go, say what? You want to have the power to do what? And so it's why I think a lot of people hesitate to think about getting a power of attorney for finances. I agree with you, Kathy. Um, I don't think people really realize like how much power they give people. Um, there's an old song by Snap. It's like a jock jam song. It's called The Power. And it's like, I've got the power. And like, I think about that song, sorry, when um, <laughs> I when I teach classes, because I don't think people really understand like how much power they're giving somebody, you know, like being able to sell someone's house for them. Like that's a huge, that's a, that's a huge power. Like that's a lot of um, power to give to somebody. So I think when we're thinking about you know, all the aspects, if you don't limit it in scope and they have to, they have ac like access to everything. So it's kind right. of scary sometimes. It can be scary, but from another point of view, um, if we look at this as a really important financial tool, it, it can also mean that if you've given somebody else power of attorney, then if you do end up, let's say in an, in an accident and you're in the hospital unexpectedly, because I don't know that, it, I mean, most, to me, that's what would happen to be an unexpected, mm -hmm. um, that your finances will continue in a good way, right? Your bills will get paid, the lights will stay on, um, decisions will be made, your hospital bills will be paid. And if you didn't have that power of attorney for finances, either those things don't happen, or somebody has to go to court and have somebody named to do that. And you don't know who that person might be. That could be your, it could be your worst enemy. It could be. Now, it's likely it would be your spouse. I mean, nobody's aiming to make it your worst enemy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just but, saying it could, you know, be, the it court's, could be. The court's going to do the best they can, but, yeah. it, the, but the control, the decision-making is taken out of your hands. So while we think of power of attorney sometimes as, well, I have no control over my finances anymore, the reverse thing is you've taken control and you've said, when I don't, I'm not the one making decisions. I'm saying this is the person to do it. And I think that's a good thing to remember is that you are in control, at least in this aspect. You get to make that choice for the person to be that power of attorney for you. And I think that's a huge thing to think about in giving that power of attorney to somebody. Right. Because again, we all have, I think most people have control issues and we like to think that we can manage our own stuff. People have control um, issues, Kathy. <laughs> not anybody we know, right? No, no, not at all. Um, we like to think we can manage our own stuff. And sometimes is, you know, it might be very easy to give over that control. Like it's easy for me to say, you know, if something happens from, to me, I want my husband to have the power of attorney mm -hmm. for both my health care and my finances. And that one is an easy decision where Jonathan and I have struggled is, okay, what if we're both in the same car accident and neither of us can take care of things? Who then do we ask to do that? Um, who do we, who do we, who are we willing to give that control over to next? And, I think and a, then and it gets also, a little more a, challenging. It's a thing is also a good point to make out that, you know, if that person, that first person's unable to make, to be the power of attorney, like you said, like if you and, and your husband were in a car accident together, like he obviously wouldn't be unable. So like having a second and maybe even a third, like 
person that's listed as a contingents to be power of attorney is important as well. Yes. And I think it's also useful because then it's hard to predict anything, right? And so maybe the person that you had listed, it's just a very time, bad time period for them mm -hmm. when the situation arises. And it's nice if they know they can just say, I need to pass. And it goes to the next person. You, you know, it's all set up. It then goes to mm -hmm. the next person you had laid out. And I think that can, could be helpful too. And I can usually give you a real life example. Like when my father was really sick, my mom was power of attorney and for healthcare. And I thought, this is the worst decision that like, not that he could have made, but she just wasn't in a right frame of mind to be, you know, making decisions. So I actually fell on my sister and then, um, you know, there were people under her, but I just always thought it was really interesting, um, that he gave that healthcare power of attorney to my mom at first. So I think that's a hard one to do the healthcare ones. So it, they're both, they're both can be challenging in different ways. Yes, definitely. So if I'm looking to, okay, so now maybe I'm a little more convinced that I need a power of attorney who, what are some things I should be looking for in that person? What are some things you think, Kathy? Well, I think let's, let's narrow it down. Um, are we going to be talking about power of attorney for healthcare or finances? Cause I might look at it different people in my life for the different roles. They don't have to be the same person. That's very true. I think one, um, so this is actually an activity that we do with, um, our classes sometimes, um, that we do. And so we actually have this discussion and have like uh, a little conversation about it. And I think for me having a power of attorney for healthcare, that a person who may be in the healthcare industry would be really helpful. Or at least somebody that is comfortable talking about medical situations. Yes. And making medical decisions. Right. Because I know some people, it's just that piece is just too difficult um, or they don't, you know, they don't, they're just not feel it. They don't feel comfortable thinking about those kinds of things. And so even though they might be very good with finances, they might not be the person you want for the um, power of attorney for healthcare. I so agree. yeah, expertise and comfort in a, both either the medical area or the financial area. Mm -hmm. I think trust is a big piece of it. Yeah. Do I, I mean, trust you... this person? Are they trustworthy? What does trust really mean? I think the other one um, that's that is really important to me is that they communicate well. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, um, I know from both experience and from research that when people are under emotional stress, which would occur, I think, from if you know, like I was in the health, in in the hospital, or I was in some way, you know, mentally not able to take care of my finances, mm -hmm. that would put family members under stress. And I think at that time, it's really important that the person who's making some of these decisions. Um, be able to communicate well with other family members or other people that are important in my life um, in order that not just that the decision is made the way I want it made, but also so that the family relationships continue positively, you know, past that point in time. Cause it is a hard time. I hear about that a lot. That's a good point to make. I think that these are great characteristics of a power of attorney to like, you know, just kind of begin that discussion. And, um, oh, when you were having this conversation with this person, let them know that they're the power of attorney. I think, you know, just notifying that person and saying, hey, do you feel comfortable being power of attorney for me? I think that helps and goes a long way. And also uh, yeah, like I, informing other family members as well. Right. The more people know, so there's no surprises at that moment, I think is better. Um, and let's go back to that piece about, you know, the expertise. Mm -hmm. 
I think, especially when, you know, let's look at it from the power of attorney for finances. We know, and we've talked about this on our podcast, that a lot of people are not comfortable with money and, or then they're not comfortable talking about money. Yes. And yet being the power of attorney requires these skills. And I think that while we want to think that all, let's say we were looking at other family members to be that power of attorney, you want them, you want to believe that they're all good with their money and mm-hmm. that they're willing to talk to people about money. At least I do, since that's my field, right? Um, you know, and yet I think you have to be kind of objective and say, while they're a good person, mm-hmm. let's let's really look at how good are they with finances or at communicating about their fans, finances. Is that their strength or do they have strengths in other areas? And this one's really not their, their biggest strength. Their ex, yeah, that maybe they're, they will be suited someplace else doing something better. Um, right. But not this piece of it for you. Right. And, and that's I think, why, you oh. know, it's worth thinking about not just who's your favorite person, or well you know like who do you like to go out with and talk or who do you have the most common interests in in you know things but who who might really be able to to do this job with the least amount of stress for them and everybody else as well i think another point about it is um a lot of people i feel like pick just like the closest person living to them just because about distance that physical location yeah and i and while i do think that's important I don't know if that's the most important piece of picking someone for power of attorney. Um, I know that, you know, living far away can be a hassle sometimes, but I also, you know, think Kathy made a great point. Like this person needs to be objective and at least communicate some of the wishes that you've had about your finances and, you know, get that, you know, going forward. So. Right. So don't just default to the person that lives the closest to you without thinking through all this. Yeah. Cause that person could have some issues, you know, like, like you said, like if they're not capable of, you know, even tracking their own finances or, you know, if they've had a history of, you know, some addictions, addictions, yeah. Or like gambling in the past, you know, like that, that's, you know, just because they may have turned a new leaf. I really think that sometimes when you give people this power, you know, they just kind of, they kind of, they can become strange about it. So I think it's something to right. consider. It is one of those things that we have some, you know, preliminary research out there that shows that um, maybe things sometimes happen that wouldn't have happened when somebody has the power of attorney. Mm -hmm. So it does make it easier to exploit somebody who's older um, than if they don't have that power of attorney. It doesn't mean now. You know, I'm not trying to say that most people with power of attorney are going to exploit the person that has um, that gave that over to them. But if there was any tendency, it might just make it easier. Yes. So, well, I think that, you know, this is a good segue into talking more about kind of some of the, the risks of power of attorney. And I do think, you know, that sometimes we there's some pressure to grant more authority than you wish. Like we talked about that limited scope power of attorney. So I think, you know, maybe you feel comfortable with them, like, you know, paying the bills, but you don't feel comfortable with them selling your house. And I think that's okay. Right. But how would you know the document really what it says and what it, what you, that it says what you want it to? Well, I think, you know, that's why we have to sit down with an attorney and kind of tell them like, these are my wishes. This is my person who I want to be power of attorney, but I don't feel comfortable having them do selling my stocks, selling my house, selling my car, those kind of things. 
Good point. I think that's a great thing. And then through a conversation with your attorney, you may, you know, they may bring out the fact that like, well, have you thought about the fact they might have to sell some of your investments in order to keep paying your living expenses? Or they'll, they'll often have a way of looking at it and a perspective that's a little different than yours. Mm -hmm. And I found through conversations with my own lawyer that that can help me kind of look at it differently and think through it and maybe modify what I want to do. But uh, the language is such that I really think it helps to have um, something like this written by a lawyer so that you can, can so it can say what you want it to say and yes. you understand it. I agree. Um, I think there's also, you know, when we talk about risks of power of attorney, there's like the misuse of funds. And so sometimes I feel like the line gets kind of blurred. It's like, well, I, you know, I went to go get groceries for my grandma, but I paid with my own money. So I'll just, you know, put on an extra, you know, little taco party on the end of my trip, you know, and she won't even know, like that's the misuse of funds. Like it's little, but it's still not appropriate. So I think, you know, just kind of where does that line and, you know, just making sure that we don't cross it. You know, I was just looking through this booklet I have called Help for Agents Under a Power of Attorney in Illinois, Managing Someone Else's Money. Mm -hmm. And it's been produced by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And they go through and very clearly give great examples of what you're allowed to do as if you have power of attorney for somebody else. And one of the things they mention is that when you have power of attorney, you've assumed the role of a fiduciary. Mm -hmm. And that's a very specific legal role. You don't actually get to define it for yourself. It's already (laughs) defined. That's a good thing, though. It is a good thing. But I'm not sure everybody understands that when they say that they will take on the role of power of attorney. And so some of the things that kind of jumped out at me is that, you know, you always have to do what's best for the person that um, you're the fiduciary for, mm-hmm. the power of attorney for. So you ha- you can't kind of fudge that. That's got to be it. You also have to avoid conflicts of interest. Mm-hmm. So you and you have to be careful that um, it doesn't appear to be a conflict of interest either. So it's not just the conflict, but also the parents. And, you know, then they go on to also um, highly recommend that you keep very good records Mm -hmm. of um, what your money that's coming in for that person, as well as money you're spending for them. And you are obligated to show that list to a variety of different people, depending on who asked for it down the road. So it's part of your role as a power of attorney to keep good records and to be able and willing to share them when, when necessary. I think a lot of people need to think about this before they accept the role of being power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think one of the pieces I think it's important in this in this guide from the CFPB it says it's always important to remember that it's not your money. That you know, even though you're a- you're being able to spend it, whether it's on groceries or for you know utilities, like it's still not yours. It does not be- legally belong to you. And I think remembering that at the forefront of your mind will help you be more honest about it at the end of the day. 
Yes. And I think it's also one of the th those things where, you know, as things go along and so many families now, people live spread out um, mm -hmm. and it's hard to communicate. And when you're taking care of somebody like an aging parent who's ill, your mind is on so many things. And the finances sometimes just seem like secondary, like you're just trying to keep them comfortable. You're trying to take care of them. You're trying to make sure that the medical appointments are happening the way they're supposed to. And then, you know, on top of that, you're trying to manage the finances. And so, um, but at the same time, other family members in other parts of the country maybe, you know, want to know kind of how things are going financially. Mm -hmm. And so if you just get in the habit from the very beginning of keeping those records and sharing them periodically with people, it, it may, you know, kind of stop any problems from arising with miscommunication with other family. I think that's good too. I also wanted to point out this, this resource that we are talking about is available online for free and you can get that online. Um, and that, you know, there is a generic power of attorney, but there are, um, six States that have their, their own available. So there's Arizona, Florida, Georgia, of course, Illinois, where we are, and then Oregon and Virginia. So, you know, you can download those for free and, you know, and just kind of educate yourself or, and if you're looking at, you know, making someone else power of attorney that can help you in those decisions. And also if you're looking at agreeing to be the power of attorney for yes. somebody. Because if you don't, you know, if you don't really fully understand like what a fiduciary is, it goes into like layman's terms of like, you know, these are the four things you have to do, which I thought was really nice. You what know, were those four things again? Tell me um, one more time. Act in only in, in the best interests of the person, um, manage the money and property carefully keep good money, um, keep the money and property separate from yours and then definitely keep good records. Okay. So not only just keeping good records, but you also have to keep those finance, that finances separate from yours. Mm -hmm. So not moving money between like their account and your checking account or things like that, unless you can document it well. Yeah. And, and then underneath it, it says, if you do not meet these standards, you could be removed as a fiduciary sued or have to repay money. It's even possible that the police or sheriff can investigate you and you could go to jail. <laughs> so well, um, it is a legal definition. It is yes. accepted a legal role and it, it's, it's more than just being nice to somebody. You yes. you have these responsibilities. I think that's an important piece of it. So, um, like I said, these resources are available online. Um, they're like I said, there's a generic one, and then those six states that I mentioned do have their own, which is kind of nice because like at least gives you a a good kind of something to look at and kind of base off, uh, your decisions off of whether you are going to be the power of attorney or if you're needing one as well. No, I think this is a great document, actually. It is. I'm, I really love it. I think it's great. It's laid so, out nicely and easy to read. It is. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about some of the research that we found, Kathy, because I think this is kind of interesting as well. Um, so one of our former Illinoisans, her name is Axon Betts Hamilton. She's now at South Dakota State University, but she worked with some colleagues from University of Wyoming, Virginia Vincenti, and Laura Brown, Lorna Brown, and um, Cynthia Jasper from the University of Wisconsin. Um, she, there were a couple articles that were out there, but the one that I really, you know, both of them were very good. But I think some things that we looked at um, was that some there really is no way to track um, exploitation of power of attorney because it's, it's really, it feels very shameful. And it's really underreported. Yes. So, you know, this is the kind of things that people, families keep within the family, even if 
it's difficult. I mean, occasionally people will take people to court or, you know, take it out of the side of the family, but too often people don't want to talk about it. And um, so it's really hard to get those numbers. It is really hard. Um, I think the, the thing that came out of this um, that they noticed was that uh, some, some substantial cases that the MetLife Mature Market Institute found out were that losses could be anywhere from 2.9 billion in 2010. So obviously we're closer to 2020, so that number could be much higher, but because we don't report things like this, we like, we like to keep them in the family. Um, it's hard to, to see how much is really being done. Yeah. So when I was reading these articles in my mind, I'm just puzzling over like, okay, how, you know, how do people, you know, you want to get, let's say that you've made up your mind. Sorry, that was a lot of stumbling, but let's say that you've made up your mind that you want to use these financial tools and you, and legal tools, and you want to put together a power of attorney for um, property, for your finances. And then how do you f know that the person you're picking is going to do a good job for you? Mm -hmm. And what are some of these risk factors? Can we really put them into place so that it, that it, this information is helpful? So I know one of the things that I took away with, oh, from it was that you really need to understand the forms and to yes. understand what, what rights and responsibilities you're signing over. And, and so I think I we've done a good job of kind of explaining, you know, what they are, what the forms are and like what the power really is. Right. Um, so, and another thing I read was that, um, people, they often bypass using an attorney and they'll do it, the do it, do it yourself forms, which I'm not saying that those are bad things, but I think if you don't have an understanding of what the forms are in the first place and you just kind of sign them, then, you know, we might have some issues. Yeah, I think, you know, more information and understanding is always good. What were some of the other things that we they kind of jumped out at you when you were reading that? So they talked about some risk factors within families. So things were like problematic family relationships. And this is something Kathy and I kind of talked about before, like kind of deciding whether we would tell like stories or not. Um, but, you know, like I've heard of family members in the uh, in the past not my family, but from classes, I had a, a lady who had a, you know, not a very good relationship with her brother and her brother actually went to the bank and changed, um, the bank cause he was the power of attorney. He changed the bank account from, uh, his name and dad's name to just his name. And so when he died, it looked like none of the assets were in, in his account. Um, so that was a big deal for them. So problematic family relationships, whether it's just arguing or lack of communication can really put you at risk for exploitation. Yeah, I thought that was one interesting thing that came out of the research was that um, if there had been a pattern of problems with the family relationships, then they were more likely to have problems with exploitation later on. Kind of makes sense, I guess, in one way, but I know, you know, how easy it is to like say, well, that was before it's not going to happen in this situation mm -hmm. or it's not going to happen again because you're always, you know, trying to, you know, start over and have good, healthy relationships. But it may be something to think about when you're choosing that power of attorney. I thought another piece of it, the, another risk factor was the unhealthy power dynamics among family members. And so I think this will really, um, and I know Kathy will definitely have more to say on this, but I think, you know, some of it is like, well, I give I give my son, John, you know, money every month, you know, like what's to stop him from, if he becomes power of attorney to, you know, just use those funds for himself. And so I think, you know, that's something that you have to be considerate of as well. Like if the other family members don't know that you give John money, how is anyone else supposed to know that? Right. And I think, you know, if 
you think about it, if somebody's been dependent on somebody giving them money on a monthly basis, and then all of a sudden they're not receiving it, that's going to become a an issue. And they mm-hmm. might feel like, well, mother would have wanted me to have that money, but she'd always been giving it to me. And now she can't because she's not managing her finances. So therefore I just need to, you know, if I take it, it's what she would have wanted anyhow, yeah. but other family members might not see it that way. No, I don't think so at all. <laughs> but I can see how the justification kind of rolls in your brain, right? It's yeah. Like, if, it's if, like, well, I was, was going to get it anyway. So what's the point? Know, if I was talking to mother instead of my brother, I would definitely be getting that money. Yeah, so definitely. I think um, another piece of it was the the of course was the risk factor was just trust issues. And I think that, you know, I think you can have trust issues with anyone. So I think that, you know, just again, we could go back to that communication piece. Like that's really kind of the big feud here. It's like if you don't have good communication, if you don't tell the like you know, if you pick someone as your power of attorney and don't let them know, and then they find out when something happens, like that's awful. Um, but then also like not telling anyone else, well, like what if, you know, Susie was like, well, I'm supposed to be power of attorney. What are you talking about? Like it just, it can spiral. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately we want you to walk away with like power of attorney is important because if something did happen, you know, you couldn't, you can't make those decisions on your own and someone has to be able to do that. We just want to let you know about like the risk factors for these kind of things. That way you can make a better decision on your power of attorney. And it may be something when you're choosing your power of attorney that you want to think about having a conversation with somebody who might be a little bit more objective than yourself, because I know it's hard to be objective within your own family. Um, But maybe a friend or somebody who's heard the family drama over the years and um, could say to you, you know, could ask you questions that would be thought provoking, or maybe it's a counselor or somebody who could ask you questions that would be thought provoking in terms of who would be the best person to be your power of attorney it might help keep it more objective instead of subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to talk about this crazy example only because I really want to just like trail down this rabbit hole, of, like how bad it can really go with power. Okay. <laughs> um, just because I think people really need to understand like how bad it could get. Um, and hopefully like they'd be like, well, I never do that. Well, please, please never do these things. So there was an example in one of the uh, research articles that says um, that they diverted all of grandma's mail they confiscated her credit cards they withheld money from grandma they placed grandma in a rehabilitation facility really far from her home they told grandma she would never go home again they took grandma's house key and they told her that they were preparing to sell the house and then they euthanized her cats so obviously from you know should we get a pet we all know that i'm a cat person so i was like what this is so crazy like this is the crazy like i just can't believe all the things that they did that they got you know not got away with but yeah they got away with doing these things and yet you know to play devil's advocate you can see how something like i can see how something like this might happen through miscommunication or somebody um not being fully cognitive and being able to process everything Mm -hmm. or remember things because you know maybe um there was no rehab home closer or rehab place closer to home and maybe they needed more assets in order to keep the level of medical care up um you know so there could have been another piece to this that we only hear from one side. And I think that kind of one of the things that does for me is to bring up this point of what if you think that something is going wrong in a family or a friend situation and mm-hmm. you're wondering, are they being exploited, but you're not sure what can you do about that? You know, Kathy, I'm not really sure where they would go. 
So I think this is one of those things where sometimes if somebody is clearly being exploited and you know something illegal is happening and the person's not acting, you know, in a fiduciary manner, then you can go straight to the police and report it. Because like, as we said before, this fiduciary role is a legal role. Mm -hmm. But in more situations, I think maybe somebody just isn't sure and they have a suspicion, but they're not quite ready to go to the police about it. Um, then what you m might want to do is to call the um, adult protective services that are um, a local agency in your community because they can go out and do kind of a wellness visit and they can have conversations with different people and different parties to try to figure out, is this a situation of miscommunication or is there exploitation happening? Um, and so the, um, the free phone number that you can call in Illinois um, to find out who's, who would be able to help you locally is 1-866-800-1409. So you can go call, dial 1-866-800-1409 or Google Adult Protective Services or call 211 if you're in Illinois and ask for help. They'll be able to tell you that too. Those are all so, great pieces. Also, it's a way to start, right? Yeah. To kind of explore it. Because even if you're not the fiduciary, but you care about this person, you still can help intervene. I think lastly, it's also important to just kind of notify the attorney general's office in your state as well. Like, you know, once you, whether you just, like after you decided maybe something's going on, um, to just kind of make that, you know, out there and let them know that as well. Yeah. And they may be able to help out as well. Um so those are those are all good resources to know that um, we're not powerless if we think something is just because somebody has been named as fiduciary doesn't mean that they get to do whatever they're doing forever if somebody right. else complains or has a problem with it. You, there are definitely steps that can be taken that can change that situation. Well, Kathy, I think we're coming toward the end of our podcast seems like we've covered things and hopefully it's given everybody a little bit to think about in terms of both the, the risks as well as the benefits of a power of attorney for Definitely. finances. Um, we just want to remind people that, you know, power of attorney is important, but, you know, we wanted to let you know about some of the risks so that way you can make a better decision on who that person can be. And what's best for you at your place in your life. Yes. Um, oh, we should mention that power of attorney can be changed at any time. That's right. So if you, you know, if you're, you picked it to be your brother and your brother becomes a drug addict, you can switch it to your sister, you know, just giving you, uh, you know, it, it can be changed, you know, at any time pretty quickly. It can also be changed in like other situations, like, you know, your children get older and they're now adults or things. Yes. it doesn't always have to be a negative reason. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's true too. I'm just, sorry, I'm just giving you a very like out there example, yes. but you know, yeah. um, but if, you know, even if you just don't feel comfortable with that person anymore, you can just still change it. So that's a good, a good way to look at it as well. Well, thanks, Seisha. I know this is a topic that is always kind of, for me, challenging to talk about and um, one where I, I worry about, you know, where's the, the right balance on this one in terms of it being a financial tool, but yet you don't want to turn over too much power too early. Um, but I think this, you know, it's a, a good conversation to have. And if you haven't already have it had it with other people in your family you're close to, maybe it's time. Yeah. Well, thanks, Kathy. I hope Thank everyone you. enjoyed the podcast and see you later. Take care.
Thanks for listening to Family Financial Feuds. If you'd like to learn more about the educators, Extension in Illinois, or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web at www.retirewell.illinois.edu.